right, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore, Gulf Coast, Baton Rouge. Every week, I want to welcome the men and women, the Orleans Justice Center and the St. Tammany Parish Jail, those online. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? So excited to have you guys with us. We are in week four. I will be finishing up next week our series called Not Alone. Uh, then I'm really fired up to be starting uh, the last week in May, a spiritual warfare series, uh, how we can win in the unseen realm. But I do want to say at all of our campuses, I want to talk to you about the power of a mom. And I want all of our campuses just to honor the moms one more time. Come on, can we just honor all the moms? Love you guys. So grateful for you. I think a mom has such a powerful influence uh, on, on someone. You know, think about it. I think about the fact of, again, my mom uh, and the great influence that she had in my life. It's reminded me of a story uh, about a mom. Uh, she walked into her son's room to wake him up for church, and she told him. She said, it's important for you to get up to church today. And he says, Mom, I'm not going. She said, no, son, you've got to get up. He said, why? She said, well, for two reasons. Number one, you're 59, and number two, you're the pastor of the church. I mean, oh, I mean, oh, that mom. Now, you may laugh about that, but for six months in 2003, uh, when I guess I was 30, I don't know, 33, 34, uh, we lived with my parents. Jennifer and I uh, and my kids lived for six months. We were between houses, and we'd sold a house. We were looking for a house. And uh, how many of you know your mom never loses the right to be able to wake you up in the morning? Isn't that right? It's funny, I talked to a lady in our church once, she says, Pastor, she goes, it's funny, my mom, to get me up for school in the morning, she used to make me get up and do jumping jacks. And I said, really? She says, yeah, she got me up and I'd go back and forth and do jumping jacks. I said, well, that would have been wonderful. My mom went in there with a frying pan and would hit it like this and just, come on, get up, get up, get up. But so good. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up the first Samuel. I'm going to talk to you today about the power of a mom, the power of a mom. And this is our Not Alone series. We've been talking about relationship with one another and the different dynamics of those relationships. I want to talk to you about the relationship, the relationship of a mom and a child. Interestingly enough, those of you who may not know this, and I wrote this down in 1914, Congress passed, uh, again, uh, an act of Congress in 1914. President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day for a, here's why for the public expression of our love and reverence to the mothers of our country. It's certainly true that no nation is greater than its mothers, for they are the maker of the next generation. I want to talk to you about the power of a mom. I want to do it out of a story in the Old Testament. The story is of a young man who was deeply impacted by his mom, Samuel. I want, you to, I want to give you the background just for a moment. I know these, these Old Testament names, sometimes they're a little bit complicated, and so I've got some pronunciation and stuff with that. So it's interesting. The birth of Samuel considered the greatest figure in Israel's history between Moses and David. Samuel was a colossal figure, a great prophet, the one that anointed Saul, the first king of Israel, anointed the second king of Israel, David. It's a great man of God, Samuel. It's interestingly enough, Samuel's father, I'll give you the pronunciation, Elkanon, and his mother, Hannah, in 1 Samuel, you see that Elkanon actually, interestingly enough, had two wives. Elkanon, Hannah was one wife, and Peninnah. Now, I want to make it clear. I want to make it very clear. The biblical narrative, very interestingly, by the way, Jesus made it clear God's original plan for marriage was one man and one woman. 
Polygamy never fared well. Listen, somebody asked me one time, Pastor, I read in the Bible there was polygamy in the Old Testament. I said, let me tell you, it's tough enough to have one wife, much less two. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So I just want to go on record as saying that Jesus affirmed one man and one woman in a marriage covenant relationship. Very, very important. Well, this, interestingly enough, this man had these two wives, and these two wives, there was a jealousy because Hannah was barren. She couldn't have children. It was interesting that her counterpart, she kind, of, she kind of flaunted that fact. And Hannah was very depressed and very broken in her spirit. Elkanah was a godly man, and he took a family on a pilgrimage each year to the tabernacle in Shiloh, where he had located many, many years. Penina had children, again, but Hannah was childless. Why is this so important? In the Hebrew culture, in the Hebrew culture, when you could not have children, you were, well, it was looked down upon. There was almost this somewhat of a stigma. In some regard, somewhat of a curse. You can imagine what would go through Hannah's mind as they would come into this tabernacle setting and the different moms would present their child, their children before the Lord. And, and Hannah had this sense inside of her of this incompleteness. Because everybody else around her had children, particularly her husband's other wife had a child, and yet here it was that she, she, was, she was without child. And Enoch took advantage of her situation, made fun of Hannah to the point that she was an adversity. She was an adversary. There was tremendous adversity in Hannah's life, and this other woman was an adversary towards her. I began to think about reading this story. I began to think about the different things that moms go through. I began to think about the hopes and the expectations, also the disappointments. When things don't go the way that we anticipated, when things don't go the way that we had planned. This is one of the best stories in the Bible of the power of a mom, but also how to deal with disappointment, how to deal with life when life, listen, when the, when the cards of life are not dealt to you the way that you anticipate. How do you respond? This is a beautiful picture of godly response. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to look at two chapters, but I'm going to talk to you about four defining traits, four defining traits of a mom. Four defining traits of the influence of a mom. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2 to 8. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2 to 8. Here's what the Bible said. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Verse 3. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Verse 4. And whenever the time came for an Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all of her sons and her daughters. Verse 5. But to Hannah, I should think about what was going through her mind. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Look at verse 6 here. Verse 6, and her rival. So there was a, she, she became an adversary in her relationship, these two ladies. And her rival also provoked her severely. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say if she verbally berated her or made fun of her. But nonetheless, there was, a, there was, there was definitely a concerted attack against this woman. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 7. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept 
and did not eat. Last verse. Look at verse 8 here. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, he was concerned about her. Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Interestingly enough, in this set of verses, and I'll go through chapter 1 and chapter 2, I find four defining traits of the power of a mom of influence. Every single one of us have influence on people. The question is, do we have a positive influence or a negative influence? Are we inspiring people by our actions? Again, we're all impacting one another. We're all impacting those that are in our home, those that are in our workplace. The issue is, are we a positive influence or are we a negative influence? Interestingly enough, when you look at Hannah's life, by the way, this is the text that I use for baby dedication. I'll talk about Samuel, who was dedicated to the Lord by his mom, Hannah. This is the actual text. So it's interesting for those of you that are unaware where biblically this is rooted. It's right here. Four traits of a powerful, godly, influential mom. Number one, a mother of influence refuses to become bitter. Refuses. It's not that they don't have an opportunity to become bitter but they refused to swallow the pill of bitterness. Look at verse 9 and 11, and then I'm going to jump off of that. So Hannah arose after she had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Then Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Look at verse 10. And when she was in bitterness of soul, there was an opportunity for bitterness to come in. But watch her response. Bitterness can knock on our, our, our door every single day. What is bitterness? Bitterness is the emotional reaction that we often have, the pill that we swallow to the disappointments in life. When things don't go the way that we thought, when things don't pan out the way that we anticipated. The Bible says she wept in anguish. Look at verse 11 here. I love this. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, bitterness is interesting. Bitterness causes you to turn inward. The way to break out of bitterness is to turn upward. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant. In other words, Hannah. It's easy to think the heroes of the Bible were somehow different than us. It's easy to think that these men and women in the Bible, again, that they were so amazing and how they made it in here, but they're just like you and I. They experienced the pains of life. They experienced the things in life. The, the trajectory of life was always not straightforward, but there was, there was curves and there was detours and there was U-turns. And why? Because of the circumstances in their life. And there was choices. Uh, I heard a pastor once say every day that we have the ability to make a choice that brings us closer to or further away from the destiny that God has for us. There's a choice. Again, we can't decide every circumstance that comes into our lives. Uh, we can't, we don't have the ability to, to, to choose whether or not a hard time will come. There are things that change that comes, economic changes that comes. There's sicknesses that comes. There's things that don't work out the way that we thought. We can change our circumstances, but we can always control our responses to our circumstances. Hannah was that woman. She had an opportunity to swallow a pill. The Bible calls it a, 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 a pill, pill of Bitterness. It's interesting to think about real problem, real people, real faith. At this point in her life, Hannah could have thought Mother's Day was a ripoff. Fact is, some of you, I've had conversations over the years where 
Some people purposely avoid Mother's Day because maybe, number one, maybe you're a person similar to Hannah where you've tried to have children and it's not worked out the way that you anticipate. Man, that's painful. One of my dear friends, they've tried for years to have have children, and they've been unable to have children. And, and, and so I, get, I, I don't understand us from a woman's perspective, but, but, I, but I understand as a pastor talking to people and having friendships where, and that wasn't the case with my wife, but I'm telling you, there's great people that I've pastored for many, many years. And you look at me and think, man, why did they not have kids? I mean, there's so, there would be such great parents. I understand from hearing them, this is a painful time. Maybe some of you even came here and mothers say, you know, Pastor, just to be honest, I don't have a great relationship. It's wonderful that your mom comes to this church. It's wonderful that your mom's still alive. But I don't have that relationship with my mom. And it's a painful reminder. It's a painful reminder because your mom and you didn't have that relationship. Whatever the situation is, we all deal with brokenness of relationship, whether it's a sibling or whether it's a child or, or, or a close friend or something that happens. And it, it's just like Hannah, but we've, we've got that opportunity to make a choice. Watch this. Do we swallow the pill of bitterness or do we get better? Do we get bitter or do we get better? I want to say it again. We cannot control every circumstance that comes into our life. The only thing that we can control is our response to those circumstances. Hannah had an opportunity. What was Hannah going to do? Can you imagine they went up to that? They, they, they went up to the temple, and, and, and there's, that, there's that adversary, that, that, that other woman. You know, listen, look, look what I'm doing with my children, and look at how great my children are. And by the way, where are your children? Bitterness. Can, can y'all just say that word with me? Can y'all say, come on, one, two, three, say it. Bitterness. Wow. Yeah, I had a conversation with this person one time, and I remember walking away from them. And there was another friend. I don't, I don't like to gossip, and I try to not gossip. But I remember going to this other person and saying, man, what's up with them? And I said one word, bitter. Interestingly enough, bitterness affects our whole lives, doesn't it? It affects our families. It affects our relationships. It, intergenerationally, it affects those that are above you, those that are below you. Why? Because bitterness, here's what I, here, here's what I found out about bitterness. It's very difficult to keep bitterness unto yourself. It's a poison that seeps out. Where does bitterness come from? Let me say it again. It comes from us not managing appropriately the disappointments in life. It's an emotional response. It's a mental and an emotional response, albeit to say in a spiritual response, when we make a choice to, listen, to be not better, but bitter based upon things not working out the way we thought. And we swallow this pill and we begin to accuse God. God, why? And why did you do this to me? And why didn't you do this? And God, why didn't you come through for me the way I thought? Hannah had that opportunity. That's why Paul, over and over in the New Testament, Jesus, Paul the apostle who wrote two-thirds in the New Testament, he would admonish us to, to be careful swallowing that pill because it corrodes every part of our lives. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, let all bitterness, let all wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Hannah, I know you're disappointed. Sir, I know, you're dis I know that job didn't pan out the way that you thought. I know, I, I know that you thought if you raised your kid this way, there was never ever going to be a problem. I know that you thought because professionally, if you develop these skills, if you have this accolade, if you, if you have this degree and this pedigree, you, you thought that the road, but things didn't just, it kind of turned. Sir, let me say this. Be careful swallowing that pill of bitterness. 
Hannah had to make a choice. What was the choice she was going to make? Was she going to be mad at God? Was she going to compare herself with somebody else? I, I should be that. I'm better than this person. I can't believe that I don't have, and they've got. By the way, you know comparison is a part and parcel of this whole thing. We begin to compare ourselves. Why do they have a husband? I don't know. Why do they have a wife? Why did their wife get sick? Why did mine not get sick? Why, why did this happen? Why, why did this happen? Why financially are they doing better than me? And, and why am I not doing it? Why are their kids excelling? And, and, and after all, and, and, and be careful. Everybody say, be careful. <laughs> be careful. Build a firewall. Be careful. Don't let comparison enter in. Listen, God loves you. God has a plan for you. God's got a destiny for you. And it doesn't look like anybody else. Don't compare. Listen, look up. Don't look within and don't look right, right or left. Number one, a mother of influence, she resists bitterness. Number two, a mother of influence prays passionately. Mother of influence prays passionately. Look at verse 12. I'm just going right through the story. There's value, by the way. There's value in just reading through the Bible. There's value in just the scriptures getting into our heart. Look what it says. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. That's the high priest. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. Look at the next verse, verse 15. I mean, you know, that's some deep praying. And Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you, woman. Look at verse 15. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. How I many you know that's a good position? Remember what bitterness does. Bitterness gets you to look inward but we have a choice to look upward. If you look inward too long, why me? Why did this happen to me? Why not them? I'm telling you, look up. Look up. Keep your eyes up. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have spoken until now. Look at verse 17 and 18, and I'll close. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition which you've asked of him. Look at this last verse. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. The Bible says that Hannah was not only a woman that refused to become bitter, but she was a woman of prayer. Hannah had problems, and she didn't lash out at her friend. The one that was mocking her, the one that was ridiculing her, the one that was accusing her, she didn't lash out, she looked up. You know there's a difference of lashing out versus looking up. The person that lashes out, they really believe that those other people control their destiny. I want to say this again at all of our campuses. Nobody controls your destiny but God. And the person that lashes out is scared. What are they scared? They're scared that somebody else has control over their destiny, over, their in, uh, over the direction of their life. But let me tell you something. God has you in the palm of his hand. Hannah poured out her heart before the Lord. She brought her complaint before God and said, God, listen, listen, I'm not suggesting that she denied it. That's not healthy psychologically. That's not healthy spiritually. I'm not hurting, I'm not hurting, I'm not hurting. Now, that's not faith. That's called foolishness. But you bring your heart before God. You bring your complaint before God, just like, just like David did in the Old Testament. He would, the book of Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, 75% of the book of Psalms are from David. 
66 books in the Bible, 65 books in the Bible are primarily God speaking to man. One book of the Bible is God speak, is man speaking to God. And many of those Psalms are written by David when he was pouring out his heart before God. What was he doing? Oh God, look on my enemies. Now he got in the flesh sometime, destroy every one of them. I'm sorry, God, you are my stronghold. You are my rock. You are my fortress. Look, we all have a tendency where we want to lash out, but we don't lash out, we look up. There's two L's. We don't lash, we look up. And Hannah said, I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to lash out. Even though my adversary is mocking me and she's ridiculing me and she's taking shots at me, I know that God has my destiny in his hands. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look ahead. I know God's going to work it out. I know God's going to do it. Man, that's a word for somebody in here. She was a woman of prayer. She said, God, I give you, I give you my, my desire. Lord, you know I want to have a child. You know that I want to have a child. I come before you, O oh Lord. There's the power of prayer. Something amazing when a mom prays for their kids. There's something amazing when the mom prays for her family. I love it. Matthew chapter 7. How often should I pray, Pastor? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. I thank God my mom was a woman of prayer. She had prayer meetings strategically in my house right when I would get out of school, when I'd be in high school, and all the ladies would raise their hands and pray for the little heathen boy as he'd walk in from a... I'd be like, can't y'all do it like later? Why at 3.30? I get home at 3.15. Everybody pray for the little heathen as he walks to his room. Matter of fact, one weekend, one day, it's on a Tuesday, I thought, man, I finally ran those crazy Bible ladies off, man. They weren't there I walked in and they were all in my room tearing down my Led Zeppelin, my Rush 2112 posters. They were anointing my room with oil. Listen, I had a real problem because they were anointing my Panama Jack shirts, but then my leather members only jacket. That was not God's will to do that. How many of y'all remember leather members only jackets? Come on now. You remember that? These women were crazy, but they prayed for me. They would pray for me. I'm like, ah, get me away from these. Listen, I, I tell people all this time. Listen, if you have a spirit-filled, Bible-believing mom that prays for you, just give up. <laughs> you can't enjoy your sin. You know that, sir. You're not, listen, I'm just telling you, you're not enjoying life. Why? Jeez. I'll be honest, I was more scared of my mom than God, just to be doing it. There's <laughs> something about, there's something about praying mom. Hannah refused. She refused to, to look in, but she looked up and brought her quest to God. That's where some of you moms are. That's where some of you people are right now. Just bring your, listen, bring your request to God. What is, what is that disappointment you're experiencing? Maybe it's in a relationship. Bring it, bring it to God. Look up, look up. Don't lash out. Look up. There's a tendency of the flesh to lash. To lash out. Look up. Everybody say, look up. That's where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and the earth. Number three, the third thing that a mother of influence does is a mother of influence commits her children to the Lord. First Samuel chapter one, verse 27 and 12. For this, ch for this child, I prayed. So she ends up having this child and the, the, the request was granted by the Lord and she had a child and his name was Samuel, great prophet of God. And so now she commits him to the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. Listen to this. For this child I prayed, 
And the Lord has granted me my petition, which I've asked of him. Therefore, watch this. Therefore, this is the line. By the way, if you ever ask yourself, why at Church of the King do you guys do what's called baby dedication? Why do y'all do that? This is the line it's taken from. And Hannah says, therefore, I've also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord, actually given to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. Hannah, I wrote this down. Hannah made a vow and a promise to the Lord. If God would give her a son, she would give her son back to him. Remember, we don't own our children. Listen, the reality is we are given our children for a, series, a, a, a certain amount of time to steward over them. Our children belong to God. Life itself belongs to God. God is the giver of life. He's the one that gives life. And Hannah recognized that her child was a gift from God. Hannah recognized that, 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 that this gift was given from God, by God, to her, for a purpose in God. And she committed her son to God. Say, Pastor, how do I practically do that? How, how do I say, is that just baby dedication? We'll come once a month on a Saturday, and, and Pastor, where you, where, where you pray and you lay hands on our child, is, is that, well, that's a part of it, but it's also bringing your child to vacation Bible school. It's also bringing them to church and getting them involved in children's church and exposing them to the things of God when they're teenagers, bring, helping them raise money to put them on a mission trip, whatever. There's something about that committing your children to God is not just a one-time thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a daily process. It's a weekly, it's a yearly process where we continue to expose our kids to Bible teaching and the Word of God and, 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 and committing our kids to God is watching what comes into our homes and, and making sure that our kids have the opportunity to receive Christ and to, to be around Christian environments. That there's something about committing our kids to God and what we say over our kids and, and what we speak and, and the environment that we expose them to. My parents, listen, my mom made me go to church. I had no option. I remember one time I was 16, I came in and announced, I said, I'm not going to church anymore. And she told me, fine, you're not getting any lunch money. <laughs> I was trying to gain weight for football, so I was motivated. <laughs> and somebody said, well, you know, I don't want little Johnny, you know, if I make him go to church, he'll grow up and hate God. Well, he's, he's kind of on that path right now. Why don't we bring him to church? Let's expose him to God. And the fact of the matter is that I understand the kids get older, go to college. I, that's their choice. But I'm going to tell you right now, when those kids are young and they're junior high, I mean, we want to get them in the house of God. Are y'all with me? There's something about that habit of getting in the house of God. There's something about getting in that habit of youth camp and vacation Bible school. There's something about getting in that habit my mom used to tell me stuff like this. She would speak this over me. She, would, she, she told me this. I never, she would tell me this all the time. Steve, when you grow up, you're either going to be Billy Graham, Johnny Carson, or the president of the United States of America. She'd tell me that all the time. And one day, I was passing the church a couple years ago. She goes, you're kind of a blend, Steve. You're kind of funny. You're a preacher. You're, you're a little, I mean, it's funny. But how many know that our words, everybody say words. What are we speaking over our kids? What are we shaping them with? Our words shape death and life or the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. There's power in the spoken word. Where are we, what are we exposing our kids to? Number three, a mother of influence commits her children to the Lord. Let me give this fourth and final point, and then we'll close. Hannah was a powerful woman. 
mother of influence invests in her children. Look at chapter two, two more verses. Chapter two, verse 18 to 20. But Samuel ministered before the Lord. So here's what happened. Hannah had a child, his name was Samuel. And she felt called to the Lord to bring her child to Eli the priest and for him to be trained up as a, as a young priest under the Lord. But every year she would make a linen ephod as a, 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 ephod, as a young boy would grow. And so she would bring it to him and, and she would declare the word of the Lord over his life. Watch this. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Look at the next verse here. Two more verses. Moreover, his mother used to make him this little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Look at verse, uh, last verse, verse 20. And Eli would bless Elkanon and his wife, that's Hannah, and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would be, then they would go their way to their home. I wrote this down. Hannah constantly invested in the life of her child. I want to just speak to the moms just for a moment. I know this is a difficult subject because at times you think, well, pastor, you don't understand. I'm working. It's hard for me to be able to see my kids. Here's the issue. The issue is you do your best with what God has given you. And when you are present with your kids, whenever that is, whether it's early in the morning or whether it's late at night, everybody's got a different situation. Everybody's got a different scenario they're dealing with. But the reality is, are we maximizing our moments with our kids when we have them with our kids? Are we investing in those kids? Are we speaking life over them? Are we declaring the word of the Lord? Whatever it is, let me tell you, 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 you let me tell you, a fired up woman, a fired up woman is watching her son play baseball at the playground when she is really behind that kid. Let me tell you, they'll give any umpire a run for the money. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I love when you see a mom that invests in her kid. Again, there's different economic situations that people are in. Everybody I'm speaking to. So this is not, well, pastor, I'm not able to stay home. That's not the issue. The issue is, are we maximizing the moments that we have with our kids? And are we doing the best to be able to invest in them? Moms, let me tell you this something. You don't understand. There's words from my mom that are in my mind. And by, my, by the way, my mom was a teacher. She worked. That's why we ate everything you could out of a crock pot in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> Come on, teachers. You know what I'm talking about. But those moments, being with your kid, to be able to speak life into them, declare the word of the Lord in their lives. And boy, it's so difficult, dads and moms, it's so difficult for us to address our kids based upon their present behavior and not based upon God's prophetic future for them. It's so difficult, particularly when they're acting up and we want to define them based upon a moment rather than defining them based upon God's hand and destiny. We have to watch that. We have to watch defining them based upon something that, that, let me tell you, there's no event that defines a person's life based upon, you are this based upon that. No, 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 no. You are that based upon what God said. You have a future. God has a plan for your life. God can do something great. Speak life over your kids. Speak life over them. I'll, I'll close with this. My mom prayed for me. I wasn't a Christian until I turned 19. My mom prayed, even though she goes, you were always a good kid. That's not what you said. But I was, Don't make up. You got, that, 
it's like the history books today. They got a historical narrative, you know, block. They missed. I mean, the fact is, is that the, the, my history was different, mom, but you stood upon the word and my dad as well. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a scripture. Listen to me. I want to talk to moms. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Every campus pastor, come on stage, but I want everybody to stand with me. I'm going to give you a, one more promise from the word of God. There are children not serving the Lord right now. Let me teach you this. I got one minute. Stay with me. All right? I'm going to give you a promise from the Word of God that we're going to stand on. We're going to stand on this Word. My parents stood on this Word. Some of you, whether your kids are 9, 19, 29, 39, 49, there is a promise from God. Everyone say promise. A promise must be claimed. For instance, John 3.16 is a promise. For God so loved the world that he, gave, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believeth in him, Jesus, right, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John, that's a promise. Is everybody in the world saved, yes or no? No, why? Because they've not received the what? Say it, the promise. I'm going to give you a promise from the Bible that we can stand upon for what the Bible calls household salvation. We're going to believe God, and I believe this applies even when your kids move out of the house. We're going to stand upon this promise, all right? It's Acts chapter 16, verse 31. My parents stood upon this, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. You and your what? Say it, your Okay, that's a promise. You may want to write that down. Acts 16, 31. Sir, ma'am, listen, even if your son is 29, 39, or your daughter, 40, it doesn't matter. We're going to stand upon the Word of God, and it's a promise from God. We're going to believe God for prodigals to come home. We're going to believe for the conviction of the Holy Spirit wherever they are. Maybe it's Arizona, California, New York, who knows? We're going to believe. Let me, the Bible says the hand of the Lord is not too short that he cannot save. How many you know there are no geographical boundaries to our prayers? They can reach to Hong Kong or Hattiesburg and just bill us. Are you with me? Just write that. We're going to stand up. We're going to stand upon the word. I had somebody, I had a mom tell me, said, Pastor, it's the craziest thing I've been praying for my son. But he went into the army to get away from me. And the person that was next to him in basic training was a Christian. They pulled out a Bible. Then the next school that he went to, was a, the, the, like a training school, was a Christian. And finally, he wrote back and says, Mom, are you praying for me? And she goes, I've never stopped. I mean, no, God answers prayer. Come on. Y'all believe that? We're going to pray. I, I, we're going to come before the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word and the promise of your word. Lord, we stand. We stand for our children. Lord, all the children that are represented, whether they live in this community, whatever community they're in, we stand upon the promise of your word in Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your household. Lord, there are seeds of the Word of God that have been planted for years in the hearts of young men and women, in the hearts of men and women, and sometimes it looks so bleak. It looks like those seeds are not taking root, but your Word does not return void. Your Word does not return. We call forth a harvest. Oh God, may our children serve the Lord. May they walk with you. May the generation of the upright be blessed, the Bible says. Lord, I pray a blessing over the families, the homes. I pray a blessing, oh God, 
over every mom here, God. May she be encouraged by the word of the Lord. May you be refreshed. May you be built up. You are favored of God. You are blessed of God. You are chosen of God. You are anointed by God to do what God's called you to do. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. And we bless you on this wonderful Mother's Day weekend in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said...